Good morning. I am so glad that each and every one of you is here this morning. God has brought you here. Some of you didn't have a clue really why you got up and came to church this morning. God pulled you here. God has a message for each and every one of us. He does every Sunday. But this morning, he's got something for some of you who haven't been here in a long time. And it is not a coincidence that you are in this place today. I am grateful that you got up and chose to come to worship. I have been praying. I've been praying for breakthrough. I've been praying that hearts would be softened. I've been praying that those of you who have been Christians for years and years would have a revelation this morning. I've been praying that your eyes would be open to something new and that your ears would hear from God in a very personal way this morning. God is a personal God. God loves you and loves me beyond our comprehension. Thanks be to him for the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. We're here to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus of Nazareth. I honestly didn't ever think it would take this long. This is not at all what I expected. I didn't think I'd be going to high school without him. I thought we'd be playing ball together. And instead, he's not alive. How could a loving God allow this to happen? I didn't think I was going to be the one that needed a divorce lawyer. Drug rehab wasn't at all what I had in mind for him. I hurt so much when my kids hurt. It's just not fair. Why would God allow this to happen? Where is God? I loved her. I thought she was the one. I thought she was the one that God brought to me. What do I do now? She was my whole life. This isn't how I wanted my life to look. Where's God? Kids can be so mean and nasty. I feel so alone, but I don't have to cho- a choice. I have to go to school. Where's God? Where's God? I'm under so much pressure. I can't seem to do anything right. I'm never good enough. What have I done to deserve this? My life just sucks right now. I know I'm not supposed to be angry at God. I know that I'm not supposed to complain. I know that I'm not supposed to question. These are things that persons have told me in person 
in the last year, or I have discerned in the Spirit that you've been thinking and feeling this way. And this question or this statement of, I know I'm not supposed to be angry at God. I know I'm not supposed to complain. I know I'm not supposed to question is a lie from the enemy. It is not the truth of the gospel. And so today I am here to stand on the truth of the gospel and to set some things straight. I've known for months that God wanted me to preach this sermon. And I'm finally glad that the day is here. I've been waiting for God to tell me exactly when this needed to, to come. You see, Scripture is full of people who lament, who get angry and, and are questioning God, are so frustrated with their life circumstances. In fact, all major characters in the Bible poured out their hearts to God in lament. There's a whole book of the Bible, Lamentations. It's all about complaining. It's all about saying, how long, O Lord? All of the prophets, even in the book of Revelation, there is lament for the way things are. Isaiah and Jeremiah, uh, Job, Ezekiel, Habakkuk, all of the Psalms, all of the Psalms have an indication, a pointing to lament. So this morning, I am here to stand on the truth of the gospel, to give each and every one of us permission to lament. We need to do that work so that then God can work within us, can release us of some things, and we can then deepen our relationship with him. Let's pray. Oh, God, this is feeling really uncomfortable. I thought I'd come and she'd just preach and I'd leave and uh, nothing would happen. But, God, you're speaking to me. I pray that you will give me the courage to listen. I pray that you will give me the courage to see. I pray that you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, will give me permission and action, courage to lament. God, we need you. We need you. Life is hard. Life is hard. Circumstances are all around us. We're getting hit with stuff from all directions, and it's hard in the midst of of all that is. So whether we're needing to lament or whether we know a loved one or a friend who needs to lament, God, give us the courage. Help us. <laughs> I pray what I've been praying, God, break us loose. Release us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Psalm 13, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? 
How long will you hide my face from me? Psalm 35, Lord, how long will you look on me without action? Rescue my life. Rescue me from those lions who are out to destroy me. Psalm 79, how long, O Lord, will you be angry with me forever? Will your jealousy burn me with fire? Psalm 89, how long, O Lord, will you hide yourself from me forever? Psalm 90, turn, O Lord, from your anger. How long is it going to take? Be compassionate, God. Revoke this sentence. Psalm 94, O Lord, how long will the wicked rejoice in triumph? Habakkuk. He was a prophet, a man of God, strong man of God. He started to complain. He said, how long, O Lord, must I call for help? How long, O Lord, but you won't listen? I cry out to you, violence. There's violence all around me, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why, God, do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There's strife and conflict abounds. The wicked hem in the righteous. Justice is perverted. Why then do you tolerate this, God? Why are you silent, God? You have made men like fish in the sea. The wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them in his net. How's that for a temper tantrum? Permission to lament. Let me talk to you about what lament is. First of all, lament is defined as a passionate expression. Huh. A passionate expression of grief or pain or sorrow, anger, um, frustration. It's a complaint. Lament is admitting that there is something wrong in the world and in our hearts. Lament is the practice of bringing that emotional complaint to God. Lament is scriptural. If you have grown up being told that you don't have the right to be angry at God, then we need to dismiss that lie from your life. If you are one that has been told that you can't get angry or that you can't ask God questions, then we must remove that from your life because that is not the truth of Scripture. Reality is we cannot avoid suffering and pain even though you and I try a lot. We try to avoid pain, suffering, and conflict at all costs. Reality is, it is part of the human experience. We live in a broken world where things don't always go right. Can I get an amen? I want you to understand also that we must acknowledge that sometimes God in his sovereignty allows things to happen to us, allows us to experience pain and suffering, anxiety, depression, loss, fill in the blank. God allows us to experience that so that then we might 
more than likely have a crisis of faith and through that crisis of faith grow deeper in our holiness, our righteousness that comes from him. That we might grow deeper in our relationship, our need for him. Sometimes God allows things to happen in our life so that ultimately we can bring more honor and more glory to his name. Now that's tough because more than likely you wanted to hear about your loving God and he is such a loving God. But we cannot dismiss the truth that life is hard and God allows things to happen that we can never, will not ever be able to explain. And that's where the nitty-gritty comes in. That's where our faith and trust are tested. That's where God wants to continue to do work in our lives. You see, there are times in our life where we don't have a clue what God is doing. Where we don't have a clue, and sometimes we even wonder if he's anywhere present in our life. We just don't know what to do or where to turn. And that's the time where I want to suggest to you that a prayer of lament is appropriate. I can speak from personal experience. I'm grateful that God has given me permission to lament. The time I'm thinking about was either end of 2008 or 2009. I had been sick for six months. I had been experiencing debilitating physical pain. My marriage was a wreck. Um, I was struggling as a pastor because, you know, I had to uphold my, my image of all was well when inside there was nothing left and I was questioning God. I was stricken with this disease, which obviously, thanks be to God, I've been completely delivered of. I am completely healed and whole. I went to get away. Uh, a colleague in ministry, a friend from seminary, and I went to um, a week of spiritual formation, uh, the Academy for Spiritual Formation. It was in Oklahoma. I refused to go in a wheelchair. I really needed to be in a wheelchair because I could not walk very well. So I brought this big old cane with me, and every single step was labored. I mean, it was horrible. And part of the rhythm of the day in the academy is that you worship three times a day and you have Holy Communion every single day. I was so mad at God. I was so angry that I was debilitated physically, that my marriage was in shambles, that emotionally I didn't know what was up. I was so angry at God that this United Methodist pastor said, uh-uh, there's no way I'm going to take communion. <laughs> that week, I was assigned to the disabled group. I had to hang with the rest of the folks who were in wheelchairs. Well, that, you know what that did to me. 
made me even more angry. I was so bitter. I was so mad at God. (laughs) And my friend, in her wisdom and direction from the Holy Spirit, said, why don't we just skip this next session? She got a blanket from her hotel room and and walked with me, it took forever because I could barely walk, to this open field. She laid down the blanket and she said, why don't you just have it out with God? And she just walked away. And I know she was praying. But she stood at a distance. Hmm. You don't tell me what to do. <laughs> and finally, thanks be to God, the Holy Spirit gave me permission. And I have never yelled so loud. I have never screamed so loud. And I started shouting my questions and shouting my pain. And I, and finally I said, F you, God! And in that moment, I felt as if He were wrapping his loving arms around me and pulling me close. And that was the beginning of the next step in my relationship with him. And I firmly believe that if I would have let that set inside me, it would have continued to fester and grow. And the bitterness and the resentment and the unforgiveness and the pain and the suffering and all of that, you know how it feels, would continue to fester until I was in full rebellion. It was a pivotal point. And when I realized that God didn't love me any less, because I used that word, that was the first time I'd ever used that word. Then I realized that God was a God who cared for me. That God was willing to to walk with me through everything. Not just the easy parts, but especially the tough parts. Since that time, I have sat with many folks in my office. I have walked around this this city with many folks. And I have said, you have permission. You have permission And God wants you to voice your lament. In Psalm 139, it talks about, He knows the words of my mouth before they are on my lips. If that's the case, then when we withhold our feelings from God, thinking that He doesn't really know what we're thinking and feeling, then we are causing a wall in our relationship. We are causing an obstacle to get between us. You remember the guy named Job? People say, yeah, you have patience like Job. But that book in the Old Testament, I don't believe is really about patience. 
It's about a relationship with God that stands no matter what circumstance, no matter what challenge, no matter how much pain is brought before us. You see, in Job, it says that he was a man blameless and upright. He feared, he, he loved and respected God in such a way that he lived his life to profess that. He shunned evil. It even says that he was the greatest man among all the people of the East. Well, he was a pretty good guy. But this is what happened. There was a meeting. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord. And scripture says that Satan came too. Satan, the accuser, the liar, the one who wants you to stay put in, in bondage, in chains. Stay paralyzed in your life circumstances. And this is where you have to understand theologically. The Lord said to Satan, hey, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one on earth like him. He's blameless and upright. He's a man who fears, that means respects God, shuns evil. And Satan says, well, does Job fear God for nothing? And this is what God says. You can have everything that he has in his hands, but on the man himself, don't lay a finger. God allowed and in fact gave Satan permission to mess with Job. Do you hear me? Job lost all of his possessions. And then God gave Satan permission because Satan said, well, anybody, you know, things are things. Hmm, we'll see about that. And God said, okay, you cannot kill him, but you can take his family. You can take those who mean more to him than anything. Do you hear what's happening? And then... The next part explains how God allowed Satan to be covered with sores. It talks from the head, top of head to the soles of the feet. And how he would take broken shards of jars and scrape from the itching and the pain. And these are Job's words. Let me see if I can find them. Oh, well, we need to have a whole series on Job. But you know, he had three friends who for the first seven days did what we are supposed to do. They came and sat with Job, and they didn't say a word. They sat with him in his pain and his suffering. And then when nothing changed... They said, well, forget this. Job, you must have sinned. That must be why God's, God's doing this to you. You must be a really wicked man. After all, why else would this happen to you? I think you just need to turn away from God, his friend said. His wife continued to encourage him, forget it. Forget that, God. If this is what he's going to do, 
deal, forget him. And Job chose not to. He chose to stay steadfast. He chose to be in life with all that was being thrown at him. But he says, I desire to speak to the Lord the Almighty. This is Job chapter 13, verse 3. Job 13, 3. I desire to speak to the Almighty God and to argue my case with God. In other words, okay, I haven't lost all faith and hope in God, but I want to tell him a thing or two. And then, verse 15, he says about God, though he slay me, because several times in here, Job, Job said, God, just let me die. I've had enough. Just, just, you know, kill me off. He felt like there was nothing except death around him. He felt as if God were killing him. So these are his words. Verse 15, chapter 13, verse 15. Though he slay me, yet I will hope in him but I'm surely going to defend my ways to his face. Do you hear what that means? That's the lament. Okay. I haven't lost all my faith in God, but I'm going to tell him. I'm going to complain. I'm going to ask him questions. I'm going I'm to ask him, why in the world is my life like this? Why are you doing this to me? Okay, that's chapter 13. And the rest of Job, he and God are talking. You need to check it out. We're going to stay right here for the purpose of this morning because you and I need to practice lament. Let me tell you some things about prayers of lament. Prayers of lament change us because they're actually a form of worship. Can you believe that? They're actually a form of worship. They are an expression of faith. Because you need to understand that lament changes our hearts. More often than not, our circumstances are not changed. But our hearts are changed. On that blanket in that field in Oklahoma, my heart was blown wide open. It was four and a half more years before God chose to deliver and heal me. Prayers of lament often sound like just temper tantrums. <laughs> they sound like we're whining and complaining. They are angry outbursts. Temper tantrum, for me, a prayer of lament is a snotty, messy cry. It's yelling and screaming. It might be falling on my face. It might be uh, learning to throw something in a, in a safe environment that usually isn't part of my personality type. For me, it means journaling and just letting it rip. <laughs> Let me tell you, God, how I'm feeling. Sometimes it's walking, I'm not a runner, but it is walking and telling him, 
This is how I feel. These are the questions I have for you. You see, prayers of lament bring us face to face with God. When we allow ourselves to express what's really inside, there is nothing between us and God any longer. We're not choosing to hide or deny the pain and the sorrow and the grief and the anger, but we bring it to God. And the cool thing is, the Holy Spirit, which Scripture calls our comforter, our advocate, helps us when we don't think we have the strength or the courage to just spew to God. When we ask the Holy Spirit to help us, he does. When we brought it all to God, when we allow him in, when we acknowledge that he's in the midst, that it doesn't make sense to us, but he's there, we continue to experience a deeper and more profound revelation of him. Prayers of lament increase our faith and our trust. Now, society would have us think that if we voice our prayers of lament, then our faith and our trust are decreased. But instead, it is a release, it is a softening of a hardened heart. And it is, all right, I, I just got to give it to you, God. This is, this is what is eating me up inside, and I'm going to give it to you. That's a prayer of lament. So I suggest to you, or perhaps you're going to journey with someone who needs to lament, to do these things. Find a safe place to be alone, whether it's out in a field, in your room, wherever. You may ask a dear uh, accountability brother or sister to come with you but to be off to the side like my dear sister was praying on my behalf and then you ask the Holy Spirit to lead you into lament and then my friends you just let it flow whether you're talking or whether you're writing there's no need to be proper there's no, this isn't a let me close my eyes and fold my hands kind of prayer. You don't edit it. It is raw. It is honest. And you say, these are the difficulties that I'm facing. This is the pain. This is the suffering. This is the anger. This is the emotion that I feel. And God, you just need to know it. Because you see, God can handle it. God can handle it. And I want to encourage you not to hurry. Now, there are times where you release it to God, and in that moment, you have experienced a change of heart. But there are other times that it may take a season of lament. As I was praying, God gave me a number three. For some of you, that will mean, and this was, to me, it meant, okay, from Good Friday to Easter, it's three. 
So for some of you, it may be that for the next three days, you need to give yourself permission to lament. And at the end of the three days, you take a personal assessment. Okay, God, where are we? God, show me. Is there more that needs to be spewed? For some of you, it will be three months or even three years or more. Don't rush the process, but also don't allow yourself to stay in a puddle of being a victim. Does that make sense? If not, come and talk to me. And then finally, once you spew all of that stuff, you give it to God. You offer your lament to God. You offer the hard things in your life that don't make sense. You offer the why, O oh Lord. You offer the how long, O oh Lord, have you forgotten me? You offer all of that to God. You give it to him, and you allow your lament to be a sacrifice of praise. I don't understand it, God. I don't know why I'm having to do this. I don't know why you're asking me to walk this season with these circumstances, with this pain, with this suffering. I I don't get it. But take it. Take it as my offering. It is a sacrifice of praise, of worship. For you or for someone else, lament may be the only way you can be in relationship with God right now. I want you to watch this. In 2007, uh, my, my, my dad passed away. My dad had been sick for a number of years, um, and, and he died. He went into hospice, so we kind of knew it was coming. About 10 weeks later, my mom got sick out of nowhere. As it turns out, my mom had to have this liver surgery for her sickness. So my sisters and I were all at the hospital. Uh, we go into the, the consultation room, and, uh, you know, waiting for the doctor to come out. He comes out, walks in. We're all sitting in this room, and he goes, I'm, I'm sorry, we lost her. My younger sister crumples up on the floor, crying. My older sister stands up, and her husband grabs her, and she just starts wailing. And I run out of the consultation room, and I go across the hallway into this bathroom, and I shut and I lock the door, and I just start sobbing, and I fall down over the, over the toilet, and I think I'm going to throw up. And I, and I don't, then I fall onto my back, and then I just start, I just start cursing God. I just start, I just start swearing, and you know, how could you do, how could you do this? And for the next, you know, season of life, it was just like, God, like, I, I, I cannot believe that you care about me right now. I just can't. And, and so in the midst of that, I'm like, what does it look like to, to actually talk to God about this? Because everything I've, I feel like so much of what I've been told is like, go to God, Tell him how great he is. Tell him you're thankful for all these things. And, and it's not that I didn't think that there, there, was, there was value in that, but, but that would be like sitting down with my wife when my heart is breaking inside and telling her about a football game. And, and, and then her going, Josh, what's really going on? And me not telling her. So, so I have this friend, he tells me, he goes, Josh, God can handle your anger. He can handle it. And so I, I started this season of prayer with God. I'm just going, God, I'm so angry with you. And I, I don't, I don't, necessarily want to be but I am and I need you I need you to meet me in my anger because this is the only version of me there is right now the angry guy and if you're not willing to interact with this guy then I then we can't interact 
not so much with my dad. I mean, my dad had been sick for a long time. So, so in my mind, that more made like the story made sense. Like it was the, oh, this is the way the story ends with my mom. Like the story didn't make sense to me. Um, you know, like my mom was this Bible teacher and she had influenced so many people and she loved people. And so for her to die that suddenly, I was like, it, it can't end this way. Like this is an awful, awful ending. And so I asked some of God, why would you do this? Um, I didn't, I, I guess I got a little bit into why me, but it was more like why her? You know, why her? And then it was more like this question, just like, God, where are you now with me? You know, so it was more about who God was rather than what he was doing, I guess. I don't need an explanation. I don't need to explain this thing away. And I, I guess, again, for me, I was like, God, I can be okay with the mystery of what's happening as long as I know you're with me in the midst of the mystery. And I guess at the end of the day, that's what I wanted. I just wanted to know that the, God was a part of that mystery with me and I wasn't just alone in the fog wandering around. Because if I am alone, then the most comforting thing is for me to make sense of the story and to remove the mystery and say, oh, so now I understand why this happened. And you see, see, it was good. But if God is with me, I guess I don't need the explanation. I don't know long, how long he journeyed, but I don't want any of you to jump to that place. Like, oh, okay, well, God's in the mystery. You haven't done the work yet. He has done the work. Job said, God's in the midst, but I need to argue with him. God's in the midst, but I need to share with him just how I'm feeling. And my friends, that's where God is calling us today and in the days ahead.